Welcome. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Those should be beautiful words and they close our psalm for today, Psalm 129. Yet in the psalm, those are not beautiful words because they are the words that must not be spoken to those people who hate Zion. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England and I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible. Each time we look at a different part of the book of Psalms. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 129 and as always we're going through it verse by verse and word by word. When you turn to Psalm 129 in the Bible, you'll see first the ancient title of the psalm. That title is A Song of Degrees. These are the songs or psalms that seem to have been sung by the pilgrims who were going up to God's temple, God's house in Jerusalem for the sacred feasts like the Passover. Degrees means steps upwards. It, the temple was on the top of a hill and so to get there involved a climb upwards. And for those who took the route from Jericho, which was one of the main routes to Jerusalem, it was two days they'd have to be climbing from the depth of Jericho just by the Dead Sea up to God's temple at Jerusalem. And as they went, the, the vast crowds of people would sing together. And we have a feel in this psalm, and similarly in Psalm 124, of what that singing was like. Because it seems that it began with a solo voice. Someone would sing out that first verse, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. And then he'd call on everyone else to join in with him, with the words, May Israel now say. And then they all sing together from verse 2, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. So what does it mean? Many a time. Today we say many times. Many times have they afflicted me. The word afflict means to cause great trouble to someone. And uh, uh, in the Hebrew language, that word translated afflicted means to restrict someone in a narrow space, to tie someone up and make them your prisoner, for example. And so the people are saying many a time, often, We've known this affliction. We've known these troubles. And that is a testimony, as we see at the end of verse 1, with may Israel now say. This is a testimony of Israel's people. Even though it says they've afflicted me, that me means Israel as a whole. Israel has suffered so much from the time when it was a young nation 
time after time, there's been troubles, there's been threats, there's been dangers. When Israel's people were slaves in Egypt uh, and the Egyptians treated them so cruelly, throwing the baby boys into the sea at the time, into the river at the time of Moses. Or later on, when on leaving Egypt, the army of Egypt chased after Israel's people and tried to trap them at the Red Sea. Or when they reached the promised land, and what's more, enemies were on every side trying to trap Israel's people in, trying to destroy the nation of Israel, God's people. No wonder they could say, verse 2, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. Yes, God allowed us to suffer greatly, but he didn't allow our enemies to prevail, to succeed totally, to defeat us completely. They didn't manage to destroy Israel as a nation, although they tried to do that dozens of times. No, Israel survived because of the goodness of God. God was protecting Israel's people and Israel as a nation through all those troubles. And then it continues with the description of those troubles, a very graphic description, in other words, a word picture. Verse 3, the plowers ploughed upon my back, they made long their furrows. Okay, we have a picture here as to how the farmers in Israel would prepare the ground in order to sow seeds. They would plough through the ground. In other words, they'd tie a plough, a heavy wooden implement, to typically a pair of oxen, a couple of uh, strong animals, the same sort of as cows. And these animals would pull the plough through the ground so as to cut a long line in it. Now, when you see ploughing today, there are very efficient ploughs. They cut right through the ground just in one pass. Uh, the ploughs in ancient Israel were not like that. They were much rougher pieces of equipment. And it was often necessary in order to break the ground up enough for sowing to go back and forward and back and forward over the same piece of land. Now, the holes which the plough would cut into the ground, these long straight lines, they were called furrows. So when it says the ploughers ploughed upon my back, they made long their furrows, our word picture is of a farmer's field, uh, just at the time when it's getting ready to sow it, and all these lines cut into it, these, these trenches, dug through it, along the length of it. Okay, but this is not talking about a plough and about land, is it? Because the plough was ploughed upon my back. In other words, the word picture here is of a person who's got all these terrible injuries to his back. He's been whipped and beaten so many times that 
there are lines cutting across his back. Maybe it's describing as soon as that injury is made and his black back is cut through with long lines from the whip and bleeding. Or maybe it's describing later on when the bleeding has healed and yet still the back has scar tissue reaching right across it. This is our word picture here. It's Israel's word picture for how much it suffered. Yet some of you are saying, well, could that be referring to other things too? Could it be referring to how Messiah suffered? How Christ was beaten before his crucifixion across his back? 39 times he was whipped. Could it be describing that? And the answer to that question, to answer it fairly, we've got to look at the words of Scripture. And we've got to say that the Scripture means what it says. Here it says very clearly, Israel suffered these troubles. So in the first instance, this is about the nation of Israel and Israel's troubles. So does the Bible say at any point that Messiah would suffer Israel's troubles? Well, yes, it does. Isaiah 53 and beginning at verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Yes, so therefore our psalm for today is firstly describing Israel and the troubles that Israel suffered. But secondly, because Messiah took on Israel's troubles, it's also referring in a way to the Messiah's troubles. Yet, what happens to Israel? Does Israel suffer until it's destroyed? No, because the testimony in verse 2 is, yet they have not prevailed against me. And then it goes even further in verse 4, because it declares, The Lord is righteous, he hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. God is righteous, he is the judge. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes, he is the judge who everything he does is right and proper. And he has seen the suffering of his people Israel and he's declared that they should be freed from that suffering. The Lord is righteous. What does he do? He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Cut asunder, cut apart cut in two, the cords of the wicked. But what are these cords of the wicked? Well, I've looked at the commentaries and I've found three different answers for you. And they all make about the same point, but they're all good answers. So I'm going to leave you the choice which you like of them and which seems right to you. So 
the cords of the wicked. The first idea is that the way the ploughman ploughed the field was to tie the plough to a couple of oxen, a couple of animals, strong farm animals. Now, if you cut the cord that att attaches those animals to the plough, they can't plough anymore. So the meaning here, when we take it out of the word picture, is God set us free from that trouble. The, the, the enemy was, was causing all this pain and all this suffering to us, but God has set us free by cutting the cords of the wicked. That's your first meaning. The second meaning is maybe, this is not referring to that word picture at all, but to the different word picture of the back. Uh, in verse 3, the plowers ploughed upon my back, they made long their furrows. This we've seen is a word picture for the suffering of someone who's been very, very badly beaten or whipped. But if you take a whip and you cut its cords, you can't use it as a whip. So the suffering has ended. And so the meaning is the same. If God has cut asunder the cords of the wicked, then the wicked can no longer beat Israel, and Israel has been set free by God, who has righteously acted to save his people. The third explanation of cords, which I found, was these are the cords of a prisoner who's tied up. We had that word picture at the beginning. Many a time have they afflicted me for my youth. In verse 1, afflicted could mean ties up. Well, if God has cut asunder the cords of the wicked, and the cords mean the cords that tied up Israel, well, then God has set Israel free. And so in each of these, whichever way we take this, this word picture to be, the meaning is that Israel has been set free by the goodness of God. God saw the suffering his people were, were experiencing. He saw them in the, their deep distress and their deep need. And he made his judgment and he acted in power and he saved or rescued his people from those terrible troubles. And so that gives us as the people of God, an opportunity to pray against those who do such evil things, those who cause such pain and such suffering and such trouble. Now, of course, what we desire most of all for our enemies is that they will repent and that they will turn to God and that they will seek for God to forgive them because God is gracious and good and wants to forgive them. But if they will not, verse 5, let them all be confounded and turned back that hate Zion. May they be absolutely defeated, like soldiers who rush into battle to attack their enemy and then become frightened and run away. They turn back. They're trying to escape. But when they turn back, of course, it's possible for God's people to oppose them. God's people are set free. 
let them be turned back like an enemy defeated in war, those that hate Zion. That's how it's described, these enemies. They were called the wicked in verse 4, but now they're called those that hate Zion. Zion was one of the hills in Jerusalem on which the temple, God's house, stood. It was to Zion that the pilgrims were going to pray at the temple. And yet these enemies are called those that hate Zion. And here they hate Zion, God's house, so they hate God. They hate Zion, God's house, so they hate God's people. So they, they are the wicked enemies of God's people. And it's against those who choose to be wicked enemies, who will not turn from those evil deeds, that this prayer is prayed. Verse 6. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which withereth afore it groweth up. So our word picture now is of grass. We use grass to mean one particular type of plant now. They seem, as we'll see shortly, to be using it more in a wider sense, to mean green plants, like wheat or like barley, which grow up into healthy green plants. Let them be, the wicked people be, like grass upon the housetops. That's not where your green plants should be growing. They do grow there. A bit of dirt gets onto the housetops or, or, or a bit of moss dies off and uh, so a seed can germinate and start to grow and that seed becomes a plant and it looks a healthy young plant. But the sun will come out and the sun will become hot and it does not have roots and it does not go down to the moisture. So what's going to happen to that young plant upon the housetop? It's going to wither. It's going to dry up and die afore or before it groweth up. So before it can grow into a full plant, that grass is going to die. And that is why, verse 7, wherewith the mower filleth not his hand, nor he that bindeth sheaves his bosom. A mower. Today we talk about a lawn mower, a machine with which with which you cut grass. Uh, but of course, in the Bible's days, you didn't have a machine. You had a person with a sharp knife who would cut grass or he would cut wheat when it was ready and uh, when it had grown its seeds and was ready to collect the storage. So the prayer is that this... the. Well, we're talking still about the grass upon the housetops as a word picture. And this grass is never going to be collected. It's not going to be collected to feed animals. It's not going to be collected for grain. He that bindeth sheaves, he who, who ties up the batches of wheat into bundles to take away ready for the, uh, in the harvest, he binds sheaves, he fills his bosom, he, he holds them tightly to his chest. And all this is not going to happen 
to the wicked people, because we've prayed, let them be as a grass upon the housetops. Let them never succeed in achieving anything with all their wicked plans and all their schemes. Yes, when wheat or barley or, or other grain grows in the field, it grows until it produces corn, uh, until the farmer goes out and cuts it down uh, and ties it together and binds it or ties it into sheaves, into bundles. But that's not going to happen to them. They're going to be totally unsuccessful with their evil plans. And when people walk by, they're not going to joyfully express their joy at how well the harvest is going. When we look at verse 8, neither do they which go by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. It seems these were normal greetings. These were the sort of things people would say when they saw a a harvest field and people working in the harvest field, they would shout to one another, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. And the harvesters would reply, we bless you in the name of the Lord. But verse 8 is saying these things should not happen. These things should not happen to wicked people. People will not say to wicked people, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. Because God is not blessing them. Because they can see that God's judgment is against them. Blessing is an expression of good things. Nothing good is going to happen to these evil people. We bless you in the name of the Lord means we put call upon God to do good things in your life. But there's no blessing for those who do evil things, those who, verse 5, hate Zion, those who turn away from God, who, who deal cruelly with his people who oppose God. Yet it seems a pity to end the psalm with, with such severe thoughts. So let's, let's think of a few opposites here as we conclude our read through this psalm. Because it's spoken about those who hate Zion. But what about those who love Zion? What about those who love God, who love the house of God, who love the people of God? They will not be, verse 6, like grass upon the housetops which withereth before it groweth up. And their experience will not be of those wherewith the mower filleth not his hand. No, they're going to live lives which are successful, that are productive, that achieve the things that God wants for them. Even though they've suffered so much, even though they've had so many struggles and so many troubles, because first of all, the Lord is righteous, then everyone who passes by will see that God's blessing is upon them. And then they will declare, verse 8, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you, you who love Zion, in the name of the Lord. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. That's 333kjv at gmail.com. And now let me read you the whole of Psalm 129. A Song of Degrees 
Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers ploughed upon my back, they made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Let them all be confounded and turned back that hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which withereth before it groweth up, wherewith the mower filleth not his hand, nor he that bindeth sheaves his bosom. Neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord.